Good morning, everybody. Everybody doing well? I'm so glad that you're here. Hey, I'm starting or I'm, I'm continuing my series on I Am Getting this morning, and I'm on part four. <clears throat> and I wanted to encourage you, if you've missed any of the other parts, uh, you can get on our website, tcf.church, and uh, all you have to do is click on podcast, and you can listen to those messages. Uh, these messages have been incredible. The life of Gideon's been incredible. And so I would encourage you to go back and listen to them, even if you have listened to them. Uh, you might encourage a friend, hey, you ought to get on uh, my church's website, tcf.church, and uh, listen to these messages. They bless you and they minister to you. Now, I've got a question for you this morning. We've, we're on our fourth week looking at the life of Gideon, and it may be easy to think, hey, pastor, you know, why does a story that happened to a man literally thousands of years ago, you know, when you read the Bible, particularly when you read the Old Testament, some of those stories are literally thousands of years old. And so why does the story of a guy from thousands of years ago, why does it matter to me? What difference does it make? Well, here, here's what it is. Gideon's story is your story. The Bible says that these were put in the Bible. The Bible was put together to encourage you because, you see, Gideon's in a hole. All right? We've been talking about that for three weeks. He's in a hole. And he's in a hole because his daddy was in a hole because his daddy decided to worship false gods. So his daddy's decisions got him in a hole, and then those decisions got his son, Gideon, in a hole, and then the nation of Israel is in a hole. So the nation's in a hole, daddy's in a hole, and Gideon's in a hole. Now, now, what's a hole, Pastor? Well, all a hole is is an impossible situation. I've been across this room this morning. Probably every one of us, you've got areas in your life that are good. You've got things going on in your life that are working. I've got things in my life that are absolutely working well. But then we probably all have an area or two in our life that has an impossible situation in it. That's what a hole is. They're in an impossible situation. Now, either you are in an impossible situation, you've come out of an impossible situation, or you're getting ready to go into an impossible situation, because that's just the way life is. Now, here's what I know. God loves to come through for his children. God loves the impossible. There's nothing that brings me more joy than as a father when I come through for my children. There's nothing, nothing, nothing that brings me more joy than when as a dad, I can come through for my kids. Listen, your heavenly father's the very same way. He loves impossible situations. He loves showing himself strong in your behalf. And he loves coming through for you. So Gideon's in a hole, probably just like many of you have an area of your life that you're in a hole. And that's your story. And that's his story. Now, last week when we finished, what happened? Well, God told Gideon, I want you to go get your dad's best bull. Go get the prize bull. Go get the bull that's the future of the herd. And I want you to take that bull over to your dad's house. And your dad has an altar there built to the god Baal, which is a false god. And I want you to pull down the stones of that false altar. And I want you to rebuild them and build an altar to me. Then cut down the totem pole next to it. Now, the Bible doesn't use the word totem pole. It uses Asherah pole. But basically, all it is is a totem pole to a goddess. 
Okay, Baal is their god, and then Baal's mother was their goddess, and they had a totem pole to her. So he says, I want you to cut down that totem pole, Now I want you to cut it up into lumber, and I want you to build a fire, I want you to set the stones, and then go over to the pen and get your daddy's best bull, the future of the herd, the future of the business, and I want you to butcher him, I want you to drain the blood, I want you to cut him into pieces, I want you to put him on the altar, start a fire, and burn it. Now, they're not eating steaks. Okay, they're not eating steaks, okay? They're burning it as a sacrifice to God. Now, do you remember in the beginning of this story when Gideon has an encounter with Jesus and Jesus says, hey, I want you to go get a goat. And so he goes and gets a goat and he cooks it. And then Jesus takes his staff and touches the rock and fire comes out of it and it consumes, you remember it consumed the bread, it consumed the uh, broth and it consumed the meat. Well, now the bull is being butchered and a fire consumes the same thing. Now, here's what I want you to understand about that. This is an offering for righteousness. See, what God is doing is this innocent bull is dying and paying for Gideon's sin. And so the innocence of this animal that's done nothing wrong because it's an animal is transferred to Gideon. Now, bull's blood wasn't spilled for your sin the lamb's blood was, which is Jesus Christ. And when he died on the cross, his innocence was transferred to you. So you're innocent before God. When God looks at you, he sees you as innocent, not because of what you have or haven't done, but because of the blood of the lamb. So he does this. You know, all the townspeople come out. It's morning. He did it at night. And they all say, hey, we're going to kill you. And then they change his name to Jerubbabel. Now, I want to remind you of some things that happened when he did this. Here's the first thing God said when he said, offer the bull. He says, I want you to give up your father's false gods. I want you to give up your father's false gods. Whatever false gods your father worshiped, I want you to give those up. In this case, it was Baal. Okay, maybe in your family, it's not Baal. Maybe it's work. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's pleasure. Maybe it's family. Maybe it's recreation. But whatever gods your father has worshipped, I want you to give them up and follow me. Here's the second thing he said. I want you to give me your future. You see, that's what the bull is. You see, the bull's the future. And so you know what God's asking him to do and asking you and I to do is will you give me your tomorrow? Will you give me your future? Will you give up your plans and follow me? Here's the third thing he said. I want you to give me your best. You see, the bull was the best. See, God doesn't say, hey, go get the old cancer-eyed cow, right, and kill it. No, give me the best that you have. Why? Because God already gave the best he had, which was Jesus Christ. So he wants nothing less from you. The next thing he said was, I want you to put me before your family. Now, don't miss this. I want you to give up your family name. <clears throat> I want you to give up your pride. I want you to give up your heritage. I want you to give up your work ethic. I want you to give up pleasing your family and I want you to follow me. Now, I'm not saying you don't have anything to do with your family. That's cultic. That's not Christianity. That's not God. Because you're supposed to reach your family with the good news of the gospel. But what he tells Gideon is, in the sacrificing of the bull, choose me over your family. Because, see, a lot of times we don't do that. We want our family's approval. Listen, I am an approval junkie. Okay, listen. You know what I want more than anything this morning? I want you to like me. Okay, that's just my personality. And so when I have to choose between Jesus and my family, sometimes it can be a hard choice. And it's been a hard choice for some of you because you want them to like you. 
All right, here's the next thing he told him. He said, I want you to do it, and he was afraid to do it, and God said, but I want you to go ahead and do it anyway. He made the sacrifice at night. Now, listen to me. God's gonna ask you to do some things that are going to scare you. And you know what he wants you to do? Go ahead and do them afraid. Go ahead and do it afraid. Go ahead and step out, even though you're afraid, and trust God. Here's the last thing he said. He said, your father's false gods have been a snare to you. Now listen to me, don't miss this. Your heritage, your background, your people, their gods have become a snare to you if it's put, you, put it above Jesus Christ. Then you pass that down to your children, then you pass that down to your grandchildren, and it's passed from generation to generation to generation. And here's what God says. God says, Gideon, I'm going to use you to change you, and I'm going to use you to change Israel. But first, I want you to give up your family. I want you to give up following them and start following me. And I want you to give up your father's false gods, and I want you to surrender your life to me. This is where we pick up the story next. I'm going to start reading in Judges 6. Verse 33, Judges 6, 33, and this is the New Living Translation. Here's what it says. Soon afterward, the armies of Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east formed an alliance against Israel. Now, hold it. This is the million-man army. Remember? Remember the Bible says there's so many of them that it's like trying to count grains of sand. It says there's so many of them, they're like locusts. Uh, Gideon said there's so many of them that the camels can't even count them. Okay, this is, this is that army. This is that million-man army. And it says they gathered, they formed an alliance, and they crossed the Jordan, and they're camping in the valley of Jezreel. Now, here's the first thing I want you to see. Gideon has taken the steps to step out and follow God, but the enemy's not impressed. Now, listen to me. You have an enemy, and when you decide to step out, when you decide to step up, the enemy is not going to be impressed with you either. Now, listen to me. I'm not trying to put a downer on you. I want to help you understand something. You see, the enemy wonders if you're the real deal. He wonders if you're really going to do something this time or is it still just all talk? Because, see, when you climb to the top of that well and you stick your head up, what you don't realize is you're on a golf course and the devil's standing there with a nine iron. And he's fixing to send your head to the 18th hole. Now, listen, God will come through for you. He absolutely will come through for you. But there's going to be some rough waters ahead. Gideon's enemy, the million-man army, was not impressed. Your enemy's not impressed either. You're going to have to start walking it out. You're going to have to trust God and do it for real. I'm going to go to the next verse. I'm going to go to James chapter 4, starting with verse 7. This is New Living Translation also. It says, so humble yourself before God. Stop right there. The King James says, submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Now, there's two truths in here, and one of them's very simple and powerful, and we all love it. Hey, Pastor, I want to resist the devil. i got to get the devil off of me. i got to get out of this hole. i got to make something happen in my life. But here's the thing you can't forget. The first thing you have to do is you have to submit Okay, this verse says right here, you have to humble yourself. What does that look like, Pastor? Here's what it looks like. Uh, Jesus, I give you my life. You remember when you prayed that prayer? Maybe you were at kids camp. Maybe you were an adult. I was 12 years old when I prayed it in my mother and daddy's living room. And you, I invited Jesus into my heart. Do you all remember doing that? And I prayed and I said, Jesus, come into my life and be my Savior and be my Lord. You know what Lord means, right? Lord means boss. 
So what does it mean to submit? It's, it, it means this right here. Jesus, here's my life. Jesus, I give you my marriage. If I'm married, I give you my wife. I give you my children. I give you my job. I give you my business. I give you my checkbook. I give you my past. I give you my present. I give you my future. Jesus, I lay it all here at the cross at your feet. And I surrender my life to you. And you are Lord. That's what it means. Now, a lot of you in this room have not done that. Oh, you've prayed a prayer. You've invited Jesus into your life, but, but you haven't submitted. Then the next thing it says is if you'll do that, then you can resist the devil. How do you resist the devil, Pastor? You do it out loud with words and with firmness. Satan, get off me in the name of Jesus. That's how you do it. But you've got to submit first. Now, listen to what it says next. Now, Gideon did that. You see, that's what the bull's about. See, God, I surrender to you. All right, here's the next thing he says. He says, draw near to God or come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you've done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. My gosh, Pastor, what in the world? Why'd you read that? Here's why. Jesus, here's my life. (laughs) Lord, it's rusty. I know, you know me. Here, here's Vicky. Here's my kids. Here's my kids' mates. Here's my granddaughter. Here's, here's the church. Here's my bank account. Here's my savings account. Here's my future. Here are my plans, Lord. And, and oh, Lord, by the way, I repent. God, I repent for having one foot in the world and one foot in church. God, I repent for playing with sin. God, I repent for inviting my children into my sin. God, I repent for being lukewarm and cold-hearted and serving you only when it was convenient and easy. And God, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And he will. Then you get up off your knees, and it says in the next verse, humble yourself, and he'll lift you up with honor. Now listen to me. This battle is won by Gideon. We know the story. And when the battle is over and he's won, he's lifted up and held up with honor. You know, like in a football game when the Super Bowl's won and they carry the conquering hero on their shoulders across the field, right? All right, they're lifted up. Listen, we all want honor, don't we? Every man I know wants honor. Wives, that's why he doesn't come home. You won't give him any. Come on, pastor, preach. Yeah, he goes to where he gets it. It's called W-O-R-K. But I'm not preaching on that. Every one of us are hungry for honor, but you got to do this first. And men, I can tell you, if you think, man, yeah, I hope my wife's listening this morning. The reason she doesn't honor you is because you haven't done this. You see, you do this first. Lord, I submit. Here's my life. Here's my stuff. Here's my junk. And I repent for not following you with all my heart. And then get up on your feet. And it says he'll lift you up with honor. That's exactly what Gideon has done. Then you can stand your ground, see. Then when the devil shows up and says, I know what you did. You say, yeah, but I know what Jesus did. And then he has to get off. Amen? Now, go back with me to Judges chapter 6, verse 36. We're going to continue reading. Then Gideon said to God, if you're truly going to use me to rescue Israel as you promised, prove it to me in this way. 
I'll put a wool fleece on the threshing floor tonight, and if the fleece is wet with dew in the morning, but the ground is dry, then I'll know that you're going to help me rescue Israel as you promised. Now, stop right there. Come on, dude. Now, I'm a little bit frustrated with Gideon, but I want you to understand something. You know, when I read this story, I think, Gideon, could you be any more full of doubt? But here's the thing. This situation's life and death. You see, if Gideon, if God doesn't come through for Gideon, the million-man army is going to kill him, decapitate him, put his head on a pole, kill his entire family. See, he's not deciding between Dr. Pepper and Mr. Pibb. No, 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 yeah. He, he's not deciding between am I going to get on the Internet today and am I going to do Twitter or am I going to do Facebook? No, he, no, see, he's not making that kind of decision. This is life and death. So he kind of has some doubts. Now, listen to me. God understands his doubts and he understands your doubts. You know what God knows about you and about me? That we're on this journey called life and we have good days and we have bad days. And Jesus is walking with you every day with one thought and one heart. And that's to restore you and get you out of the hole that you got in. It doesn't matter who puts you in that hole. He wants to get you out of that hole. And he's patient with your doubts. He's patient with Gideon's doubts. And Gideon says, if the fleece is wet with dew in the morning, but the ground is dry, then I will know that you're going to help rescue Israel as you promised. Verse 38, and that's just what happened. When Gideon got up early the next morning, he squeezed the fleece and he wrung it out and a whole bowl full of water came. Then Gideon said to God, please don't be angry with me, but let me make one more request. Let me use the fleece one more time. This time, let the fleece be dry and the ground be wet with dew. So that night, God did as Gideon asked. The fleece was dry in the morning, but the ground was covered with dew. Now, if you know anything about the Bible, this is called putting out a fleece. If you grew up in church circles, that's what this is called. Now, with the time that I have left, I'm going to show you all Gideon is doing is trying to find direction from God. He's seeking a sign. And I'm going to show you with the time that I have left that you don't ever have to seek a sign because you have an advantage that Gideon did not have. You see, God uses Gideon to change a nation, but he's given you something that Gideon could only dream of having. You having an advantage that when you get to heaven, he's going to ask you, what was it like having the advantage that you had? I didn't have it. Here's the one thing I want you to know. As a New Testament Christian, you don't ever have to put out a fleece or seek a sign. Okay, here's a perfect simple example. This morning before we took the offering, if you'd have said, Lord, if you want me to give in the offering this morning, cause the lights to blink on and off. Now that's silly and ridiculous, and I know it, but that's a simple example of putting out a fleece. Lord, if you want me to stop at Burger King for lunch, make that red light turn green right when I get to it, Lord. I know that's silly and ridiculous, but that's what it means. Lord, Lord, show me what I'm supposed to do. Well, I'm going to show you this morning that you don't ever have to do that because you have something that Gideon never had, and I'm going to read it to you in Scripture. It's Ephesians 3.17. The New Living Translation says, Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. Here's what you have that Gideon didn't have. If you've asked Jesus Christ into your heart, that verse is right there in Ephesians, that God, Jesus Christ, lives on the inside 
of you. You see, Gideon didn't have Jesus Christ living on the inside of him, of course, because he lived before Calvary. You live after Calvary. So you have, listen, you have the living God residing on the inside of you. So you don't ever have to ask a sign because you got God right there with you. Let me show you another verse. I'm going to read to you out of John chapter 10, verse 27. It says, my sheep hear my voice. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. All right, now listen, there's two things you have that Gideon did not have. Number one, you've got the living Lord, resurrected, devil-beaten, death-destroying Jesus Christ residing on the inside of you. And if you don't know Christ, all you got to do is invite him in. He'll come in this morning. The second thing, he's talking, and he promised that you would hear his voice and that you would know his voice and that you could follow him. Here's the next thing you have. You have God's word. Gideon didn't have that. I've got a friend that's in the ministry in Colorado, and I heard him tell a story one time when he was young as a Christian. He was trying to decide about doing something, and so he said, God, there's three things I want you to do. He put out a fleece. Hey, God, I want you to do these three things. I don't know what those three things were. It doesn't matter. But he asked God, do these three things, then I'll know if it's you or not. And he said, God did all three of those things, but it still wasn't enough for him. So see, even if God does give you a sign, a lot of times you won't believe it. But here's what you can believe, and that's God's word. Now, what's God's word? Well, first off, it's a love letter to you from your father. That's exactly what it is. It's a love letter to you from your father. But you know what, right? We don't read it. So we don't know we're loved. Because daddy sent us love letters, but we we don't take time to read them, so we don't know that. The second thing is, is it's a book of promises. And see, you've been lied to and told that it was a book of rules, and there are some rules in there, but it's a book of promises. Okay, listen, it's a love letter. It's a book of promises, and every promise in there belongs to you because you're his child. It's his last will and testament, and the will was read, and guess what? You get it all. You get it all. All right, then it's also got some warnings in it. Hey, don't do that. Hey, Rusty, uh, don't, don't step out there. You, you won't like what's going to happen, right? Okay, listen to this. Stop looking for a sign and start looking for Scripture. Listen, you don't ever have to ask God for a sign ever again. God, give me a sign. He's given you a sign. It's called the Word of God. Don't look for a sign. Look for a Scripture. All right, what's another way to say it? Don't look for a sign. Look for a promise. If you're thinking, hey, God, I don't know what to do here. Let's just talk about giving, okay? Remember, you prayed this morning, Lord, if you want me to give, let the lights blink on and off. Okay, well, you know what the Scripture says? The Scripture says to give. The Scripture says you and I are supposed to be givers. So when I choose not to give, then I'm disobeying what God said in his word. So I don't need to pray or ask for a sign because he's already said what to do. Amen? So don't look for a sign. Look for a Scripture. Here's the next thing. Specific direction comes from the Holy Spirit, comes to those who honor the general direction of the Scripture. Now, let me read it to you again. Specific direction from the Holy Spirit comes to those who honor the general direction of the Scripture. Let me explain what I mean. Let's say you're trying to decide about something and it's not in the Bible. Let's say you're thinking about changing jobs. Or you're thinking about starting a business. Well, you can't go to John 1.1 and it says, Pastor, start a business. That's not in there, right? We know that, right? 
So you need some specific direction. Okay, how, how do I get that, Pastor? Here's a very simple thing. Are you doing everything you already know to do that's in the Scripture? My father uh, was a Baptist. I grew up in the Baptist church. And we received Jesus Christ as our Savior. I understand the Scripture today a lot better than my father did then. I have more revelation and I have more understanding of the Scripture than he did when he was alive. Now, he understands it now because he's in heaven. But he walked in what he knew. Listen to me very carefully. Are you walking in the truth you have right now? Because, see, you can't ask God for more. Oh, God, give me more. You know what God's saying? Are you walking in what I've already given you? You see, if you walk in the truth that you have, God will give you more truth, and he'll also give you specific direction when you need it. But if you won't walk in the truth you have, then it's hard for him to give you any more truth. Here's the next thing. Guidance comes in steps, not leaps. I want to read to you out of Proverbs. Proverbs 16, 9 says, We make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Listen, didn't you enjoy the service this morning? I mean, so far, I mean, the worship and praise and communion and everything we're doing here. All right, everything you've enjoyed in here this morning, if you stopped by the Java Cafe and got an amazing coffee and a donut, and uh, if you have your kids and power kids and your teenagers are in ground zero, I mean, God's doing amazing things here. But do you know how it all happened? It happened one step at a time. This next year, we'll be here 30 years. 30 years. 30 years. I had hair in 30 years ago. I mean, I, I swear, I know you don't believe me, but I did. All right, and you know how this all happened? It happened one step at a time. Listen, folks, it takes a lifetime to build a life. It takes a lifetime to build a life. You know what God wants to do? God wants to direct your steps, not your leaps, not your jumps. See, if you're thinking, well, I need to do this, and it's huge and big, and I don't know how I'm going to do it, and I don't have the money, and, and I'm all nervous about it, and I'm confused, that's not God. That's not how God operates. God operates in steps. Hey, Rusty, just take the next step. What's the next step for you? I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's taking your checkbook and putting it on the table this afternoon and saying, God, I'm afraid. I'm afraid, but I give you my money. Or maybe it's, God, I need help with my kids, and I don't know what to do. And I'm going to start reading my Bible on parenting. and I'm going to go down to the bookstore and get a book on it. And, God, I'm going to start whipping their butts. Because see, you can pray till the cows come home, but if you don't do anything, nothing changes. Right? So I don't know what, you, what, what is your next step. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your job. I, I, don't, I don't know what your next step is. But God's asking you to take a step. No, he's not asking you to jump off a building. He's not asking you to take a blind leap. He's just asking you to take the next step. Here's the next thing. Reject confusion. Before you receive direction from God, choose not to be confused. Let me read you a verse, 1 Corinthians 14. 1 Corinthians 14, says, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. What's that say? It says that God is the author of peace, not confusion. Listen, God does not want to trip you up. He's not trying to trip you up. He's not trying to confuse you. So if you need specific direction beyond what the Scripture says, and you ask the Holy Spirit, he'll direct you if you're walking in the truth you already have, and he'll order your steps, not your leaps, and then he doesn't want to confuse you. Can I tell you one of the most simplest ways 
to know if you're being led by the Spirit of God is just do you have peace? Did you know every time you buy something that that's not a financial decision, it's a spiritual decision? All right, I'm not talking about buying groceries. I'm talking about if you need to buy a new car or you need something big. I mean, you know, something that you have to make payments on, something that taxes you financially, that's always a spiritual decision. God, am I supposed to do this? God, you know, I, right? I mean, you're just like me, right? I mean, have you seen that car commercial where the guy goes and buys the Corvette when he gets home, his wife's in the driveway watering, and she's big and pregnant, has a little girl, and she looks at him and does this, and he has to take it back, right? Okay, I can tell you if I go to the Chevy dealership and I see a new Corvette, it is absolutely the will of God for my life. <laughs> right? I mean, I just know it is, right? But probably when I got home, it might not be the will of God. Are you, are you following me? Okay. So the point is, is God, you, you give me peace, God. He will give you peace. See, God's not the author of confusion. Now, don't miss this. I'm going to close, and I don't want you to miss this. God's plan for your life is to restore you. God's plan is to get you out of the hole. God's plan is to help you. If you need help physically, he wants to help you. If you need peace in your mind, he wants to help you. If you need help with your marriage, your job, your kids, whatever's on your list, you know what he wants to do? He wants to walk with you in this journey called life, and he wants to restore you. He does not want to confuse you. He doesn't want to trick you up. He doesn't want to torment you. That's not his heart. Now, you may have people in your life that have that heart, but it's not the heart of your father. He wants to walk with you, and he wants to guide you, and he wants to direct you. And all you got to do is start right here. What if you went home this afternoon and got in your bedroom and closed the door? What if you used the bed as an altar? What if you put your cell phone and your iPad and your checkbook and what if you put everything that mattered to your life on it and you reached out and put your hands on it and said, God, I give it all to you. God, I want you to have my marriage. I want you to have my job. God, I'm tired of having a foot in both worlds. I'm tired of straddling the fence. I'm tired of wanting to do my own thing but call you Lord. Lord, I want to give it all to you. And then stand up and say, devil, now get your hands off my life and then watch God lift you to victory. Watch him. See, all God's waiting on is to be called on. All he's waiting on is to say, will you help me? Because I said this last week, the humble get the help. See, as long as you think, hey, I can pull it off. I'm okay. I can do it. He'll say, okay, go ahead, do it. Not because he's mad at you. Just because he's a gentleman, amen? But he wants to help you. He wants to get you out of your hole. He wants to get you out of your impossible situation. And he wants to restore you to the place that you want to be. Would you all stand and let's pray? Father God, I love you and I know you love us. And I'm thankful for your heart. That your heart is wholeness. Your heart is fullness. Your heart is restoration. And that just like you delivered Gideon... You want to deliver us. And that there's nothing impossible with you. There's nothing too big for you. All you want us to do is give it to you. Lord, touch our hearts today that we're strengthened and that we're encouraged and that we're not afraid to surrender. We're not afraid to submit knowing that that is the way to victory.
That is the way to freedom. That is the way to wholeness. Jesus, touch us and minister to us. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Hey, I love